So what? So what? I don't know. I was thinking I have I have a couple of different things, and I, I think you probably have a couple of different things. Yeah. Did you know the Apple iPhone has a walking um, steadiness measurement now? Steadiness measurement? Yeah. So it determines <laughs> like how often you've been off balance. Yes, and it tells you your risk. What is your risk for falling in the next year based on your walking patterns? For so, falling in the next year. Or, or this past, whatever. It's like, it, it's how it measures in it. In the next week, it, you are three times more likely to fall than you were last week. I got to know. Does it really do that? Yeah. You want to know why I know this? It's because my cousin was like, hey, you should make sure this feature is on since you're always tripping. And you know what happened on my way into the office? You fell down. I tripped over the rug. No. I didn't fall this time. <clears throat> I didn't pull a situation like I did last week. Did you? Oh, that's right. You fell. You know? I remember that. Yes. <laughs> so we apparently, had a whole conversation about you falling down. Yes. So, so in my life, I think this is a weekly occurrence now. That you're gonna fall every week. Yes, but the problem is I don't know how accurate the iPhone is in measuring this. So there, I have to find it. It's on the Health app, and it measures your. Yeah. I mean, it's counting your steps anyway. Yeah, but it's doing more than that now. It's a. Uh, it's well, and the and the Apple Watch is taking your heartbeat and. All that other stuff too. You can check your blood pressure on it. There's lots of cool things you can do. Double support time, six minute walk. That's not what it is. Where is it? This well, is this is a really uh, fascinating idea. Walking steadiness notifications. Walking steadiness is an estimate of your stability while walking. iPhone calculates walking steadiness using your walking speed, step length, double support time, and walking asymmetry asymmetry data that's stored in health. This provides you a sense of the way you walk. Your steadiness is also related to your fall risk. As steadiness goes down, your risk of falling goes up. Walking steadiness is not an indication of how likely you are to fall in any given moment, but an overall sense of fall risk in the next 12 months. Oh my goodness. So iPhone can automatically record Is this thing your... telling you that you're unstable? Yeah, well, Get it? We... Get it? I just said you're unstable. Okay. <laughs> That's the dad joke for the episode, and yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, that was terrible again. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can also receive a notification if your walking steadiness is low or very low. You okay. can manage these notifications in your health checklist. So we're uh, we're doing well right now. <laughs> okay, steady as she goes. Wow. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, as I was walking this morning with uh, You're with probably Duke, doing a better job. Like we, we, we did a great job. We're very steady. I noticed that when, when I walked Duke, um, like yesterday I forgot to put his harness on. He's got a little walking harness. Mm, um, those things are great. Yeah, with the walking harness, he gets more confident actually. And so he'll like go out ahead. When I don't have him on the walking harness, he stays right next to me. And he's he doesn't, choking? No, no, he just no. doesn't. He just doesn't pull. Like he, really? he just, he just kind of goes. Whereas, like wow. with the walking harness, he'll, he's, he, he's able to get a little bit ahead. He's never pulling too much. Okay. You know, he's just, he's just ahead of me, and I think it just gives him like that extra little confidence. Like he's got that much more freedom or something. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, cool. while we were walking, I was thinking about a couple of things that we were going to talk about today. Okay. Um, and I was like, you know, there, there's a lot of things. I mean, maybe we could do like um. I was calling it in my own head, uh, 10 minute topics. I thought I came up with a really nice idea because I'm pretty sure no, topic. no podcast ever has come up with the idea of a 10 minute topic idea. Interesting. I'm pretty sure that this is a totally original thought. It's not at all. It's not at all <laughs> original. It's not at all original. So many other podcasts, like so many billions of people in the world, the so many are. other podcasts do 10 minute topics. But anyway, I was just thinking like, we've got a couple of things, so it's not actually going to be 10 minutes, but I had a couple of things. You have a couple of things. I mean, let's do it. My big thing was 
iPhone thing. <laughs> Your big thing was the iPhone thing. Okay. Wait. So Paula has led off with an incredible topic about how she's unstable and the iPhone is helping her to become more stable. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, does the, that summarize it? That's how that, well, you know, the other big thing is me locking myself out of my apartment and going on a two and a half hour excursion all over Fairfield County. Hell the story. All right. So here's what happened. I was leaving the house Tuesday morning. I was very excited. You know what? I got things to do at St. Pius. Let me get there at a little, you know, I usually get here around nine. Um, if I, well, that's if I don't wake up early for mass. So I did not wake up early for mass. So clearly we already started off the wrong foot. Right. Um, and I leave with everything outside my apartment, usually lock the bottom doorknob with my hand before I close it only to find out that as soon as I close it, I did not have my actual keys on me. Uh-huh. So what I had were a pair of earrings around one of my fingers. And so I think my body now, sensed. Paula, you could you reach the... over there and just, just grab your keys for a second? You want me to show you how I do this? No, I, I just want you to grab the keys. Okay, now, now, can I, I'm just going to hold these up to the camera. Um, <laughs> and folks who are just listening to the audio, you're going to hear the keys jingle a little bit. But like, folks. The, it's a very massive. This uh, is this is the keychain. And these are her keys that, that she must, that her earrings she thought were her, her keys. Now, no, I have to explain. I, I, no. Do you know how many things were on my hand? I had a bag. I had like two bags in my hand. I had a water bottle. I had my phone. I had a book. And then I had my earrings. So like, you know when women, oh man, women walk out of the house with too many things is what I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. We walk out with way too many things, holding it all in our hands and not in a bag sometimes. So ask any woman this and they can testify to this. Okay. Okay. I believe you. So I, I, be- I believe let's let's just head- say that, like that I believe it's plausible that <laughs> you could mistake earrings for for the this massive yes. amount of keys and various and sundry I take other this things. And I go like this. It goes around my finger. How heavy were those earrings, though? If but see, you, I didn't notice because there were so many other things I was holding on to. Uh-huh. There was a weight of a lot of things in this uh-huh. one arm. Do you see what I'm saying? So I wouldn't have noticed. Like I thought I like it's not just this by itself. Is this gonna turn into a complaint about pockets? Women don't have enough pockets. <laughs> that is another thing. It's not no, it's not cool. And I also it's so dumb, but I don't like I don't like carrying a purse all the time. So it you know, my situation's not I, I don't good. either, so I right, I, mean, I guess. Right. I'm, so I'm you with got you. pockets, we don't have pockets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So You know what has great pockets is a cassock. Cassocks out Oh yeah, they should have pockets. So not only do do cassocks have have like nice big pockets that yeah. you can that you can put things in, but there's also on, on the side there's like the the false pocket. It's just an opening in the side of the cassock so that you to can get into your actual reach pocket? your actual pocket. That's cool. Yeah, we like it's the very false cool. pocket. Yeah. So, anyways, I locked myself out and I was like, you know what? Let me call my roommate. Let's see where she's at. She works in New Haven. And I was like, would she take the time to come back even though she just left She's an far hour away. ago? Yep. Yeah, I live in Bridgeport. It's not going very far. So yep. as soon as I look down, I see a notification on my phone from my bank saying, oh, there is a fraudulent charge, we suspect. But then it had an image of the actual bank name underneath it. And I was like, well, that looks like it's fake. So I go into my bank statement as soon as that happens. Turns out I have $600 in fraudulent charges. Oh. So... I got locked in my apartment. Oh. My mermaid is nowhere near me. And then I find out. And that your identity has been stolen. I don't know. My card was stolen to buy a bunch of things off Sprint and Zeusk. So I'm like, I don't need to be on those things. I, I know what Sprint is. Zeusk is, is a dating site. Oh. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that happened. But <laughs> 
it is what it is. I was like, this is fascinating. Okay, but did you get the, those charges taken care of? No, that's a, only that's one of them so far. They're taking forever. And I tried to talk to a human and they wouldn't let me. So now they've become more electronic for the fraud department. You want to just walk into the bank? like? Well, oh, you know what? I could do that. I'm not, I'm not, well, it'll come. But anyways, yeah. So then it was like two hours. I had to wait for my cousin to pick me up. Yikes. I had to drive to New Haven, came back to my apartment. Yeah, so it's just like, it was funny. It just was like. It's a rough was, day though. No, not, not really. It was, I was laughing in the car and my cousin looked at me and she goes, you're an idiot. And I was like, yes, but this is also pretty hilarious. <laughs> so what would be my life if it wasn't this and it wasn't for the entertainment of others? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am certainly entertained by, by this misfortune that you've experienced. I know. Um, it yeah, just, it, sure. it was like the beginning of a, like a movie, you know, like a girl wakes up you know, young millennial trying to get along with her life and things just keep getting worse. Did you just put yourself in a romantic comedy? <laughs> I did. <laughs> did you just put yourself in a romantic comedy? It would have been perfect for a romantic comedy. Except I was a little bit more jovial about this whole situation. The person would have been like, I'm that, done with my life. That does definitely, though, kind of lay the premise. You're, you're not it does. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's it. That's all I got. That's pretty interesting. I like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go to, to another topic for a second. Yeah, no, okay. we're done with me. Okay, we're done. <laughs> There's <laughs> okay. nothing more to add. So transitioning. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, this is the cool thing that I, I was listening to the other day. Some, some people talking about, um, how music can form people in a very powerful way, can educate people in a very powerful way. And so, especially when children start learning music, how that studying of music teaches them discipline, it teaches them practice, it teaches them focus, uh, it teaches them to, to be, um, just to, to listen more. So for example, kids who, who do well with music often are good with languages as well, or they're good with math as well. Should have taken music. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I always kind of laugh because like I've been pretty good with languages throughout my life, but terrible with math. And I've played music since I was four. Hmm. So I'm not really sure that music helps with math because I have no personal experience of it helping with math, <laughs> but I definitely have the personal experience of it helping with, with, uh, languages because you start to learn how things sound. Mm -hmm. So you learn how to imitate those sounds or how to make those sounds yourself or how mm. to make those sounds on an instrument. And so it's like, it'll be the same thing with, with language. Like you learn the accents and everything. So it kind of helps anyway. So you've got that. But then he said, and, and this also helps with, with spirituality. And I don't mean religion, but I mean like spirituality, like real spirituality. And I was just kind of struck by that, that it's a very secular uh, conversation happening. And the idea that spirituality and religion have to be separate somehow for, mm. for so many people and mm. so many people's mentality, the idea that spirituality and religion would be connected at all is completely foreign. Mm -hmm. But in fact, real spirituality needs to always be connected to our, our religion and our religion always needs to be deeply to spiritual. Yeah. Like we have to always have this context in which what I believe, what I profess to believe is also then reflected in, in my prayer and my meditation, mm -hmm. in my sense of, of God's presence in the world. And as this conversation continued, one of the, the other people participating in it spoke about Mother Teresa. Mm. And he quoted Mother Teresa of Calcutta, which I thought was really beautiful. He said, you know, poverty, the, the deepest poverty is to be alone. The deepest poverty is to be disconnected or abandoned. And he was connecting then music as something that teaches you of your connection with others, with the past, with other people who also appreciate music, uh, how you're you are connected to the world because you contribute some beauty when you when you play music or mm -hmm. you're receiving beauty when you hear it. Mm -hmm. And so he was he was using this to kind of connect. And I thought to myself, the fact that the first thing, the first person he chose to quote was a saint. 
There's was something a saint. about this guy. <laughs> there's something there. Well, not just something about the about yeah, the yeah. man himself, yeah. but there's something about about the conversation that even though there's an attempt to separate religion and spirituality, he's quoting a saint. And when you quote a saint, you've got to have that sense of of something More. deeper. Yeah. Right. This isn't just somebody who is deeply spiritual. Mother Teresa was not simply a real spiritual teacher or spiritual master. Mother Teresa was a great saint it's and really profoundly cool. religious. Mm-hmm. She understood that it was it was the teachings of the gospel, that it was this religion given to us in the gospel that really that really mattered. That's so cool. Yeah, but I thought how cool it, it is that that's sort of the direction that that he went mm-hmm. to bring in this saint. Okay, now that's the first piece of it. Mm-hmm. The next piece of it was I was just reading this article by Stephen White, uh, and Stephen White was writing for the um, for the Catholic thing. And he quotes Pope St. John Paul II. LOL, hold on, sorry. I, when you said the Catholic thing, it took me a second away that some, there's a site called the Catholic yes. thing, but not, you're just like, oh, it's that thingy over there, like that Catholic thing. <laughs> that Catholic thing. <laughs> you know, the Catholic thing that we, that we did the other day, that, that, right, that right. Catholic thing. Over, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, sorry, yeah. that's where I went. Yeah. No, that's good, I like that, I like that. No, so the Catholic thing is actually a website. I'll, we'll, we'll put the article in the, in the okay. show notes here. Uh, but he quotes John Paul II, who said this, holiness lives in history. And no saint has escaped the limits and conditioning which are part of our human nature. In beatifying one of her sons, the church does not celebrate the specific historical decisions he may have made, but rather points to him as someone to be imitated and venerated because of his virtues in praise of the divine grace which shines resplendently in him. Mm. Can you repeat that again one more time? Yeah. Holiness lives in history. No saint has escaped the limits and conditioning which are part of our human nature. In beatifying one of her sons, the church does not celebrate the specific historical decisions he may have made, but rather points to him as someone to be imitated and venerated because mm-hmm. of his virtues in praise of the divine grace, which shines resplendently in him. And then Stephen White goes on and, and, and he writes this. He says, the saints are not saints because they were indefectible in life, mm-hmm. but because they attained to those virtues, those perfections by which they were made transparent to the light of the one by whom they were perfected. Mm, I'm so glad my scripture works for this. Pretty cool. Um, that's really cool. Well, that's. But see, that, yeah. I was going to say that it feels like a call that we have to stop doing cheesy saint stuff and saying that they were all perfect because everybody, for the most part, when we talk about them, like, oh, wow, that's unattainable. I can't do that. Or they just had it easier to become a saint. And then you forget. Um, I had a I had a talk with one of our college students who used to be in our youth ministry yesterday. Uh, she did give us a shout out. She said, you guys. I listen to you on your podcast when I just need to hear your voices. Aw. And I was like. She's not listening to what we actually say. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no she is. She is. That's really sweet. Um, yeah, so it was really cool. cool. So I, I thought I'd just share that. No. Does that mean we have 11s of listeners now? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She's got to start sharing us over in Boston. Sweet. Like, let them know about us. All right. Um, oh, gosh, what was I going to say? The saints perfection. There was something else. Something about how cheesy the stories of saints often are. They always are. Well, that, okay, that was part of our conversation yesterday was um, I had seen this TikTok where this girl was You crazy. and TikTok. Listen, listen, there's so many recipes on there that I'd be learning about life <laughs> and like about how interior design. Um, Intentional mostly, space. <laughs> yes, intentional <laughs> space. Oh, man, it was a mistake. Shouldn't have used that. Uh-huh. But anyways, so... 
uh, this girl was praising now that she's left Christianity, she has more free time in her life. So she was like, I don't have to do these things. I don't have to, I can do whatever I want on Sunday mornings, whatever, whatever. And there was a, a Christian's response to her TikTok saying, um, I understand you. I understand how this is a struggle, but I want to remind you, Christianity is not for the faint of heart. It's not for anybody who wants their life easy. And we think that if I, if, if I just follow God's law, if I just do this, sometimes there's a part in the back of your head where you're just like, this is supposed to be easy. Mm. And it's not, it's Christianity is one of persecution of suffering of sacrifice. There is joy in that. Um, but it was just really interesting to think that how, how many of us walk with the Lord and when things get hard, and this is, was my conversation, um, with, um, with this college student was, she's been in a season of struggle and just like, I want to give up, but I can't, I keep clawing back. I'm like, why is it so hard? And it's tiring. And I was like, you're doing it. You're doing holiness. You're clawing back at the Lord, even if you don't feel like it and you feel like he hasn't spoken to you in a long time, you're still showing up. Like that is Christianity. Like that is you placing yourself, um, in the presence of the Lord, even in like your despair and your doubt. So and what John Paul II is saying in that quote is is that when we canonize someone, mm-hmm. beatify them, we're not canonizing, beatifying every single thing they ever did. Right. Some of them made some mistakes. <laughs> well, the fact of the matter is that every saint is a sinner. Yeah, exactly. There's, there is no such thing as a saint who is perfect except for the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm. She's, so why do we why why did why do we think that that well because we see the her, the the heroic things that they did right but see we do this with with other people too we do this with celebrities we do this with great historical figures mm. we can we can easily overlook the flaws or some mm-hmm. of the things that are are facts about their life mm. in favor of kind of praising all the all the good things that they did now. If we understand that every saint is a sinner, and and this works especially with the saints, because we can often see in the lives of the saints, we see their conversion moment. Mm -hmm. Here's that time when when Paul was persecuting the Christians, where he was literally putting people in chains, dragging them back to Jerusalem to be put to death. And then he had that moment of conversion. He repented. He changed his life. His entire life was completely transformed. Look at somebody like Matt Talbot, who's not been canonized, but Matt Talbot uh, was an Irish, uh, a very holy man. And I think probably is a saint, um, mm. just has not been canonized. But he's an alcoholic. Oh yes, and I know his, the story. And his whole story yeah. of, of turning away from his alcoholism and then drawing others to go with him into sobriety. Mm-hmm. This real moment of grace that was required for that. But there's a whole history of alcoholism in his life that cannot be praised, and he would never praise it. Right. Right. Uh, sometimes you, you talk about this with uh, conversion stories. You know. Um, there's a tendency sometimes to highlight maybe the the dark part of the life. Mm. Here's here's all the sins that I was doing, and then I had this experience with Jesus, and now, and now I'm, now I'm okay. Well, so it's almost like going the opposite direction. Yeah. Instead of highlighting the virtue and the goodness and the heroism of what it is to follow Christ, it's like, let's highlight all the terrible things and then tell you that, hey, Jesus made a big difference in my life, and now I'm okay. Mm. When we look at the lives of the saints, we have to kind of hold in balance the fact that some some of the things that they did were not good but that they triumphed over those sins in their lives by practicing the virtues, mm-hmm. by striving for holiness, by growing with the Lord. Like God in his goodness gave them what they needed so that they could become really and truly holy, so they could really truly become great saints. And we need that. Yeah. We need that example. We need that witness. 
All right. And then we will look at the, the idealized version of the saints, right? Mm-hmm. We call that hagiography. Oh, what a fun word. It's a great word. So hagiography, hagiography. means sort of that, that highlighting only the good things. Yeah. Highlighting only the good things. Now, part of the hagiography is, is really helpful in that it allows us to see clearly the virtues of the saints. Sometimes those hagiographies, though, become implausible. Mm. We're talking about something that this saint did or said that just, just doesn't really jive with reality. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's no way that actually happened. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that that didn't actually happen. That they, there's no real historical record of it. It's just sort of thrown out there, like, oh yeah, this definitely happened. They were definitely so holy that they always smelled like roses or something like that. <laughs> now it's possible that there were moments like that. Of course, I'm not denying that possibility. Mm-hmm. But there's some things where you go, ah, it doesn't quite sound right. So the hagiography can sometimes get us in, in that way. But we have hagiographies about great historical figures too. Yeah, we do. You know, you look at like the founding fathers of the United States of America and there's there's these stories it's a way to present someone to show that they're heroes yeah right so there's a hagiography even of like Abraham Lincoln yeah that he grew up in the log cabin taught himself to read and, and sat and read by by candlelight every day and Honest so age. educated himself and did all of these great things now Abraham Lincoln I think is an incredible historical figure hugely important mm-hmm. but there's no way he was perfect right and I know that yeah but I'm good with the hagiography thing there's also the, the story, though, that he was so fast because he was tall, right? That oh. he was, and, and he was strong because he chopped wood because he was living in, <laughs> in a log cabin. So he chopped wood and, and he ran and he, he could outrun the deer. And I'm like, look, I know I'm not athletic. I, I know I'm, I'm not. But he, he wasn't outrunning deer. I'm, I'm sorry. It just didn't happen. Deer move quickly. And, and they know how to run through the woods. And I'm sure Abe Lincoln was fast, but I, I just fast. don't think he was as fast as a deer. It's just not plausible, right? Yeah. But they, they share this to kind of elevate the hero status, yeah. right? And so we do the same thing but with, we with want our that. saints. We want heroes. Yeah, to because we need, them to, we need them to be heroic. This is why yeah. we're going back to Marvel. Oh, this is what we've been doing at Edge. We've been going through all the different uh, This is why the Marvel superheroes are so good because there's always a flaw. There's always some part of them that that brings them back to Earth. So we realize that in spite of their great powers, in spite of all the things they can do, they're still not totally perfect. Yeah. But we need to understand that. Like the saints are not canonized because because everything that they ever did, said, or thought was so perfect. Yeah. The saints are canonized. The saints are, are held up to us as an example because they attained great virtues in spite of their flaws and in spite of their failings, in spite of their sin. They were greatly heroic as a result of or in spite of all of that. Mm. And that's why we look to that's why we look to the saints this way. Mm-hmm. So what you were saying to our college student yeah. gave me a thought too. Okay, what's your thought? Do you remember the parable from the Gospel of Luke? in which Jesus speaks about a fig tree that had borne no fruit mm-hmm. for then, many years. And the owner of the land told the gardener, cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? Yeah. And the gardener said, give me more time. Let me cultivate the soil around it. Then in a year, if it has not borne fruit, you can cut it down. Hmm. You know that story, mm-hmm. right? You know how that ends? It still ends up in the fire? Nope. No, wait, I got that wrong. Nope. That's, is this is the best part. It ends exactly where I ended it. Ha! Let me cultivate the soil us. around it. That's and in a year, if it hasn't borne fruit, then you can cut it down. There is, we don't find out what happened after a year. Oh, that is for us. Jesus doesn't end the story. Dang. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. See, this is, this is just it. Like, the, 
there are going to be those times when we feel like we're not bearing fruit, yes. when nothing is working, when our, our spiritual lives are just empty, where our prayer is dry, or where we feel like we're just falling away from God, like the struggle is so powerful. Right. I'm not living virtuously. I'm falling away. God doesn't say, okay, just cut it down. We're done. Right. Right. That's so cool. Cultivate that soil right. again. But it, 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 it's, it's called to Christian maturity. Right on. And this is where I want to go in Corinthians. This is what I was reading the other night. All right. Um, New topic. Do, 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 no, do. Well, it has to do with it because it's in. Okay. So, related topic. Do, related. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what a weird transition that was. I want some transition music. We'll, we'll find something. All right. Come on, Chris. Get on that. A special okay. drum beat or something. <laughs> okay. So he says. Something techno maybe. This is First uh, Corinthians <laughs> 2 verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glorification. Uh, so the one thing that, I, that stuck out to me was like, we impart wisdom among the mature. Mm -hmm. Like the mature are in a place of receiving or in a posture of uh, taking it on and acting on it. So when I read this, I was like, whoo, this makes sense. Like the more that I grew in maturity as a Christian, the more that I grew in the wisdom and the knowledge of God about how to live. So this is where it continues, Gail. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. So the mm. secret and hidden wisdom, this is found in prayer. That's the means by which you come to know what is God's will? What is the things that he wants to impart on you to help you to continue to grow, to bear fruit or grow in maturity? Um, but for all of, but for this part, for your glorification. And, and that's just, I just sat with that for a couple minutes. I mean, maybe like 30 minutes. Cause I was so astounded by how the Lord, the, the Lord <laughs> <laughs> heard a Lord. Yeah, that was funny. Sorry. <laughs> Compose yourself. <laughs> She's done. She's impressed by how the Lord imparts wisdom to us through our prayer and how the Lord draws us deeper into that relationship and how the gospel, which is available to anyone, right. can still be hidden well, in so many ways. Hurts. Oh, I can try to say something. Oh, no, what? I, okay, yes, that, but I'm more intrigued over the maturity part, that God is walking us into maturity. <laughs> the maturity part. <laughs> and you just fell apart laughing because you said, Lord. <laughs> oh, my side hurts. <laughs> that, that was rough. You're so mature <laughs> that making a vocal mistake was so funny that you cannot continue. You know what the problem is? Brilliant. Is? Listen, I, I prayed for joy in this specific podcast. There's some joy. <laughs> there is there is joy today. I so, love it. I'm loving this. Oh my gosh. Oh, we should pray for it every week. We Let's, might not get anything done. Why bother getting anything done? That's right. What am I talking this? about? Yeah. Um, so then he continues to say, he said, God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Um, so it's through the spirit that God is working and maturing us is spirit is one who's building. The spirit can often be known as an artist or an architect. He's constantly building a home for the Trinity to dwell in for the father and the son. Um, and he says, so no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And at another point, he says the rulers of, th of this age, um, they, they don't understand. 
And how many times I was thinking about this, like, yeah, there's so many people in my life who don't understand what I'm going through because it would be so easy to not live the Christian life, I guess, easy in quotes, you know, yeah, you know, because, oh, why are you putting yourself through all these things? And this was part of my discussion with the college student yesterday was um, you could be out like everyone else. Like, why are you? making time for scripture? Why are you making time for small group? Why are you making right. time for all these things when you could be living a different experience? Um, because somehow that is seen as easier according to the world, but the world doesn't understand because the world doesn't have the spirit of God. So the spirit of God is here to mature us. He continues, he goes, the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the spirit of God for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For what has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Mm. Yeah, the I think this is where you start seeing how spirituality and religion actually coincide so powerfully. Yes. Uh, there's, there's sort of a we're naturally spiritual. We mm -hmm. naturally, by by our very nature, we recognize that there is something beyond us. There's something beyond this body. There's something beyond this world. Mm. That's part of being human. A, a human being is, is able to recognize that they're part of something that is much bigger than themselves mm -hmm. and that there is some connection to what they do, how they live, and what's going on in the rest of the world and the rest of the universe. They can understand a connection. I mean, that's why you can look into somebody's eyes and feel connected to them. Right. Or you can look into somebody's eyes and say, I don't think that person is connected at all. Mm. You can mm -hmm. look into somebody's eyes and you can see emptiness sometimes in their eyes, but you feel yeah. their emptiness. Yeah, you can you feel know, like if, they're not living with purpose. Yeah. If you look yeah. into, into the eyes of somebody who's who's really empty, yeah. uh, your heart is moved for them. Yeah. And that that is a a natural movement. That's That's not specifically because you are Catholic. Or because you are Christian, that's because you're human. So there's this this natural connection, this natural understanding that there is something beyond just the the physical world mm -hmm. that makes us spiritual. But real spirituality is always pointing us to God. Mm -hmm. It's always about that relationship with the God who is beyond this world, mm -hmm. with the God who created this world, with the God who holds this entire world in being, with the God who ordered this world such that. When we as human beings would see one another, we would understand ourselves to be connected. This is part of God's plan for creation. Then we start to understand the teaching that binds us, mm. the teaching that shows us how we're supposed to live, the teaching that that brings us into that perfect union with the God who, who loves us, right? And this is where religion starts to, to come in. So we learn the gospel and that starts to help us to teach and understand that when we, we belong to the church, that shows us something more. It enhances that connection with God yeah, through the sacraments we receive. Yeah. yeah. And so all of this, this draws us deeper. Look at the saints and why are the saints inspiring? And we can look at the, the modern examples that we have, right? Okay. Especially of John Paul II and Mother Teresa. Because these were the these were the two contemporary saints, mm -hmm. right? That everybody could look at and see. We knew when you saw a picture of Mother Teresa you knew that that was a living saint. Mm -hmm. When you saw John Paul II, there was a sense that this man was not just standing for human rights, which he did. Right. But there's something much deeper about what he's what he's doing. When you saw them together. When, saw them, when you saw them stand together, you knew that, that <laughs> profound connection, that there was something that was binding them to one another and that they were both living for. 
And what they were living for was the good news. Mm -hmm. What they were living for was Jesus Christ. So you see that powerful connection that, and that the importance of that, that they were able to, to give their whole lives to something. But what made them so inspiring was that you knew that they were seeing something that wasn't just of this world. Mm -hmm. Mother Teresa wasn't just seeing the poverty of the streets of Calcutta. She saw it for sure, mm -hmm. but she saw deeper. She saw beyond it. Right. We would look at it and say, this is hopeless poverty and no amount of money is going to fix it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do. I can't make a dent. And she went out and said, there's nothing I can do. I can't make a dent. I'm going to pick up this dying person. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do. I can't make a dent. I'm going to feed this starving person. Mm -hmm. In spite of the fact that there was nothing to be done, in spite of the fact that the poverty seemed overwhelming, she said, I'm still going to do this. Because there was something more than just the practical. There was something more than what the world would measure as success right. that she saw. Right. She recognized that there was something more. And this is, this is where, again, you can only do that if you have a spiritual understanding of the world, if you have a spiritual understanding of yourself. Yeah. Right? And even with her, you know, she had that darkness. Yeah. She, for... she experienced her, her own struggle in, in her spirituality yeah. and in her prayer. Yeah. And in fact, it was, I think in many ways, it was her, her religion Mm -hmm. And her understanding that God was still at work, even mm -hmm. when she couldn't personally always feel it, exactly. that helped her to persevere. See, this, this is the other part. We get discouraged, right? We get discouraged yes. when something doesn't work very well, so we, we start to give up. So this this TikTok that you talked about. Yeah. TikTok that you talked about. Tickety-tackety. <laughs> this is somebody who got to a point of, of struggle. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen the TikTok, so I don't actually know anything about them. But it sounds like you're telling the story of someone who started to struggle and decided, well, because of this struggle, it's not worth trying. It's mm -hmm. not worth taking the step. So I'm not going to. Right. And that's when they stopped making the effort. And when and they stopped making the effort, they started to feel something different but it wasn't anything real. It wasn't a, a real spirituality. It wasn't right. a real connection with anything. And it's that struggle that grows you in maturity. Yeah. It's everything. So Paul says this, he goes, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. It's beyond us, man. Yeah. Totally but even us. even when we are, we can't see it, we yeah. can't hear it, we can't hear his voice and our hearts are struggling like, God has prepared something for us. Yeah. And I love scripture because it's great. <laughs> it's because it's like, great. Ooh, I love scripture because okay. it's great. Yeah. So if you if you need to hear that, you know, if you're struggling with not seeing, hearing, or believing in your heart, like God has prepared something for those who love him. Yeah. And so religion roots us back into relationship, places on his places us in his presence. Um, it's the, such a gift of the sacraments of the life of the church. They're, <laughs> they're helping us walk along on crutches, even if you feel like you're on crutches, but like they are your stable walking, ah, unstable walking, unstable. balanced walking, balanced walking. <laughs> comes back to the iPhone, <laughs> steadiness walking. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, praise God for the church. That's awesome. All right. I got one more. Okay. Ready for this? Is it ridiculous or is it serious? Both. Oh, we like this. Both. Have yeah, we're, we're gonna, it, there's going to be a, exactly. That's oh, part of that's part of it. I want to see how you're going to react. Because, I, need, I need like a masseuse or something. I keep cracking <laughs> my neck, which is never a thing. Oh, that's not good. We're having problems in All the right. body as well. Yeah, Paula's <laughs> falling down. She's unstable and she's locking herself out and she can't distinguish her keys from her earrings. Yes. I have summarized <laughs> summarized your life. 
That's I'm so very happy to help. Sad. <laughs> when I'm in prayer later, I'm like, all right, Lord. <laughs> Lord. Lord. <laughs> all right, tell me your serious funny okay. thing. Well, part of this is going to be an interview. Oh, okay. I've got some questions for you. Okay, cool. Um, one of the things that I've, I've seen a lot of lately, um, partly reading, partly listening to podcasts, partly uh, watching some TV stuff, mm-hmm. people who decide that they want to do something different than what they've done before. Hmm. They decide, I, I want a new project. And so they take their gifts and their talents and they kind of roll it into something unexpected mm-hmm. or something that you wouldn't quite think ahead of time, yeah, this makes sense that they would do this. Mm. So you see people, especially uh, especially actors and directors, who will kind of make a move towards something that they don't normally do. Actors becoming musicians. Sometimes it's, it's music or it's a, a style of mm. acting. You see this also with authors. Sometimes they're known for writing a particular style and then they write something completely different. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if you look back at some of the, the great writers, like Shakespeare didn't just write great plays. Shakespeare also write, wrote beautiful poems. Mm. So you'll find some of his, some of his sonnets and things and there, there's this beauty to it, to what he's written. And there's a, there's a very real way in which you can kind of branch out to other things. You see this with musicians, mm-hmm. right? So this band that plays this kind of stuff then switches over and starts playing this style of music uh, or they, they incorporate different styles at different times. So certain things like this album, this whole album is going to be about this. And, and then just this one song is going to have this style to it. They're bringing in other instruments, other instrumentation. Uh, they're branching out and playing things that they don't normally play. Like it, it's really kind of cool to see how that, how that can happen. I got to think about that like in the life of the church. What do we do? And how we can sometimes find new projects or new things mm. to, to try out. So this was really inspired, though, by I, I turned on Hulu. And <laughs> there's, there's a new show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. Oh, is that with uh, Steve? Steve Martin, Martin yep. and, and Martin Selena Short Gomez. and Selena Gomez. Go- Gomez. Go- Selena Gomez. All right. So here's the thing. Struggling with I'm, I'm watching. I, I saw this and I saw the lineup. I saw who was in it. Yeah. I had no idea what oh, the, what the show was about. Okay. I, I saw it the other day and I immediately had to watch four episodes. <laughs> I'm four episodes into this thing because I was just like, I was so intrigued. First of all, it's Steve Martin and Martin Short. That's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be funny. Yes. You know it's going to be good. I love watching those guys. I think they're great. But I remember several years ago watching something with Steve Martin where he talked about kind of retiring from comedy. Oh, interesting. Like he's no longer going to go out and do stand-up. He's not going to do this stuff anymore. Instead, he wants to try other things. Mm-hmm. And so he's been working on other projects. Now, he's he's already been prodigious with his output with with movies and with with comedy and everything. So, like, you know Steve Martin. He's established. Martin Short, he's established. These are, these are guys who do this stuff. Yeah. They're also – they were established when I was young. Yeah. Right? But then I saw they were working with Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know anything about Selena Gomez except that she is after my time. Wizards of so, Waverly Place. Yeah, so she became famous when I was already beyond watching the Disney Channel. Oh. I'm too old to have watched her mm-hmm. and to have seen her do anything. So I don't know anything about her other than that she was on the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Disney or Nickelodeon? Disney. Disney, yeah. She was correct. So she was on the Disney Channel. That's the only thing I know about her. Mm-hmm. She's working with Steve Martin and Martin Short. <laughs> okay, there's was something. good? It's really good. Oh, so there, there's got to be something cool here because these two really established people. And yeah. I know that she's established in her own right. Right. But she's not been known for like working with comedians. Right. 
and now they're working together on this on this show. Well, technically, Wizards of Waverly Place was a little bit of comedic. A, it was, it was a, a Disney co- Channel show doesn't count as comedic. Okay, but I thought it was funny. Of course, because it's a show for children, so it's meant to make <laughs> them laugh sometimes. But like, come on. Okay. No, but I'm looking at this going. They're working on a project together, and I was more in, intrigued by the idea of this trio working together on something mm. that they decided to branch out and do something that nobody. I, I certainly would not have have selected. Uh, right. Oh yeah, the most likely pairing uh, or or trio for for this, the most likely group that's going to put it put together a show about murder podcasts is Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. That's the absolute last thing that I would have expected. And in <laughs> fact, that's kind of how that's the, the draw. Well, that's kind of how the show starts. It's the three of them are very different people. Yeah. Who end up all liking the same kind of podcast genre and they come together. So it's really cool. Anyway, so I got to think about how sometimes we branch out, we want to do different things. I'm like, all right, you, Paula, have recently stepped into a new role mm-hmm. here at the parish. Mm-hmm. So you're director of evangelization. You're stepping away from youth ministry, which you've done for six years and which you've done really well. You're still connected to, to the youth ministry world. You haven't left it behind. I know. The children will still have me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're stepping into something new, kind of like a new role, a new project. Yeah. All right. First of all. A very new role, new project. But yes. How's it feel? It's, no one's ever done it before. <laughs> it's a lot. So it feels kind of original. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's kind of cool because it's like, okay, I got here, I started youth ministry, did that for six years. Now it's like we're jumping into another thing that I get to start, yeah. which is really cool. So I'm really realizing, wow, Lord, you kind of have me in like building, in a building. Like that's my gift is to start to build. How'd you get to that place though where you you saw this as a need? Ooh, wait, I have a lot to th- say on that. I. Uh, Actually, it was through my investment with adults, uh, through Walking with Purpose, through because I realized youth ministry is just one small little part of parish life. There's a whole other part. Uh, so I kind of made myself available. I thought if I were to invest more in the parents of students who were coming around at church, that would help my investment with their students in youth ministry. And yes, it totally made sense and it worked. And as I spoke with more people, it's funny, I just had this conversation literally last night about my gifts. Awesome. And now we're like talking about it today. Um, as I spoke with more people over the last three years, uh, a lot of, some of their commentary to me or one of the requests is, can you do more for us? Yeah. So in a very particular way, because I was able to speak or mentor or walk with several parents or adults in whatever state they were, uh, it kept coming back to me that I didn't realize that I was sowing something. I didn't realize mm. that I was planting seeds that was going to bring life, but now needed me to tend it. You know, kind of like I just threw the seeds there and just like, oh, you hope it grows. But now it grows and you're like, wait, this needs like a gardener now. This needs somebody to work it and to um, create a structure and 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 just in a way a beautiful garden. And that's kind of how I see my new role is. Um, I'm building another garden in our parish life and inviting other people to be laborers in that garden. It's like, okay, let's, let's, let's do it in that way. So, um, it was personal people. I mean, it was people coming up and telling me personally, like, we would love for you to do more. We'd love for you to speak more. We'd love to do like, just listen. And that for me was an affirmation, mostly because most of my life 
I was too shy of a kid to ever speak. Sure. And now I don't shut up. So it's like, it's really <laughs> incredible, the gifts of the Lord. Like, he's like, I'm asking you to go out and speak. I'm asking you to go out and, and to preach my word. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can sit in my office with my door closed and hear every word you say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so that, so that was, that was really cool. But the bigger part was in, in, like I said, in scripture, like the secret and hiddenness in the Lord, yeah. it, a lot of it was rooted, um, and inspired in prayer. Uh, so you have this, this inspiration to do something partly because the, the people are, are talking about it. Right. So the idea is planted there and then it's coming up in your own prayer to, to do something new, right. To do something a little bit different. Right. All right. And then you're doing it. Well, we're getting, we're organizing yeah. it. <laughs> There's a but lot. It's, it's in process now. Right. And I think this is, this is part of the cool thing. A lot of times in the life of the church, we do something and once we've started doing it, now it has to remain this way forever. Mm. This particular ministry or this way of taking care of something kind of always has to be this way. Yeah. And we can easily kind of get into that, that right now on a, on a pastoral level, there are certain things that the church always needs. Mm -hmm. I remember in when I was in seminary, uh, this, this idea that there are certain things that will never be taken away from the church. So one is the charism of papal infallibility. Mm -hmm. There will always be a source of mm. a definitive authority that speaks with the, the truth, mm -hmm. that teaches the truth in its fullness. Mm -hmm. Another thing that will never be taken away from the church is the contemplative life. Mm. There will always be those who are in the monasteries contemplating the Lord and praying for the world mm -hmm. that will always be present because it's necessary always and in all times. Yeah. Right. But there are other things that will change over time. So the way that you approach um, taking care of the poor, the way that you that you uh, preach will be according to the language being spoken to the people of the time, to the mm -hmm. circumstances of the of the congregation. There are all these things that, that might change and, and vary in different ways. Right. But there are some things that will always remain the same. Then there are new needs that will present themselves that you'll start to see. Here's a need. And, and I know that I can meet this need. Right. But then there's also not so much the need presented, but the inspiration received. Mm -hmm. So a person has an inspiration to do something. They believe, all right, the Lord is calling me to go and do this thing, to put together this project, to, to step out and do something maybe different, to do something that nobody else has done before, or to simply try something to invite people in. Right. in a way that they've not been invited before. Right. So our first thing that's coming up is outpouring nights. So okay. this, I'm actually, this is one of the ideas that I have. Like I have a lot of brainchild things on my whiteboard, like, oh, we would love to have all these things. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is how are we inviting new people to church? Yeah. You know, outside of mass, are there other opportunities? We don't really have them as much unless you're connected to like, okay, walking with purpose, definitely one men's group, but more than that, yeah. you know, you need to have a parish that has many multiple opportunities throughout the week. That's why there's youth group twice a week yeah. you know, for middle school. And so well, it's slowly growing to yeah. adding more. Can I interrupt yeah. you first yeah, yeah, for a for second it. with this? Because I think you're absolutely right. People need opportunity to connect with the Lord and through the, through the community of the church. And I think a lot of times where we can start to limit ourselves is we think that it has to be only at the parish level or that this parish has to be the one doing everything. But for example, I know somebody who uh, got to participate in something at another parish recently, and it was really helpful for them. And it was a really good thing. Mm. They are parishioners here mm -hmm. and they're not going anywhere. 
But this other thing that they got to go to was so helpful for them and so meaningful and such a big impact in their spiritual lives that now they're fired up and really grateful for having that experience. Um, We had people, uh, we had a, a bereavement group here. And uh, the bereavement group isn't isn't meeting anymore, um, but this bereavement group would ha- have people coming from other parishes. Wow! Now there's another bereavement group that started in another parish close by, and people have been going there. Oh, that's great! And the good news is that the ministry is available. Mm-hmm. That service that is needed is it's available, and it's available not far away. It's available uh, with a, a relative ease to access, and you don't have to belong to this particular community to benefit from what that community has to offer. And so then you start to see that what we're offering, we're one church. Yeah, yeah, we're one church. And what we're offering is actually able to go to many other people. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to be here. We had this conversation with, with Emily yesterday about the family from down in Stamford calling us about youth ministry stuff. Yeah. And I thought this is really cool. This is a family that lives far away from us. Very. I mean, very far. It's two towns away, three towns away. And not <laughs> you know, if you consider traffic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they, they live far away. Yeah. But they're interested and they, they wanted more information. Now, maybe their kids will benefit from what we do here. Yeah. Maybe we point them in a different direction. Maybe we're just able to give them some some ideas and some influence that can help them to establish something themselves. Right. But either way, we have this awesome opportunity to just participate and to be together in this. I think it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I got to thinking about this too, right? These, these actors, these musicians, these writers, these, these people, even just people who have a, a, you know, they're, they're in business or something. I know a guy who, uh, decided to, he, he had been in corporate America for years and decided this just isn't working for me anymore. So he started going to grad school at night and got a degree, got a master's degree in education and became a seventh grade teacher. <laughs> That's and I, I remember, incredible. I remember him telling me his story and I'm going, why would you pick seventh grade? <laughs> like of all the seventh grade was the worst for me. I hated seventh grade, <laughs> you know, but he, he just said, no, I, I, I needed to teach. Mm. And so he became a history and an English teacher. Wow. After a career in corporate America. Hmm. And it was such a strange career move, but he said, this was, this is what I needed to do. He was so happy as a teacher. Mm. The kids liked him. He was a good teacher, mm-hmm. but what it, it, it seemed on the outside to be such a strange decision to make. Right. But he did it. Yeah. And I look at this with my, my own father, like my dad's career trajectory is so bizarre, right? He, he went to college, right? Well, my, he started as a theology major in college actually. Oh. And then he switched to biology. Okay. Got a job uh, at a small zoo in Bar Harbor, Maine. Okay. Worked there for a year and then moved to San Diego with my mom. And they, they moved to San Diego. They had been married for about a year at that at that point, mm-hmm. maybe two years at that point. Uh, moved to San Diego and he became an elephant trainer at the San Diego Zoo. Then he goes from the San Diego Zoo back to Connecticut to the Bearsley Zoo. And then he started teaching science at a private girls' school. <laughs> And he was a science teacher for years, and then he quit teaching and became the Connecticut State Troubadour in 1996, which is a thing. <laughs> and he devoted the rest of his the, the rest of his his active work life to music, wow, and to teaching music, to doing music education in schools and things like that. I mean, elephant training to folk musician full time, and with a stop as a as a high school 
biology and chemistry teacher in between. Like, what the heck kind of career path is that? What kind of lunatic do I come from? (laughs) (laughs) This is is it. Your line is questionable. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, actually, but this this got me kind of thinking because every once in a while I'll I'll start to think about like an idea. I want to try and do this thing and it's not related to parish (laughs) life. Right. And it's, it's something kind of outside of, of, of the norm of parish, like even doing a podcast, right? Yeah. This, this isn't really part of parish ministry. I hope people from the parish listen to it and it's helpful for them. I hope anybody who's listening, it's, it's I'd say helpful. it is now. Yeah. It's but like digital ministry, this isn't really something that you would look at and say, oh yeah, you've got to, you've got to do that. Mm. Um, this is something that's fun. I enjoy doing this. And I hope <laughs> this is a good way to talk about the gospel and to share the good news with yeah. people and to like introduce them to Jesus and tell them it's possible. Like, yeah, let's, let's yeah. go for it. Right. Yeah. But I, I think sometimes of the the stuff that I would I would really like to be able to dedicate some time to, mm. like if I had the chance. Would you go into iron welding or something? No. More fishing. Uh, I would definitely do more fishing. Yeah, if I could, I would also learn to play the bazooki. And the bazooki is like a, a very giant mandolin. Um, oh. It's a really cool. It's a cool instrument. I would definitely learn that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that would be, that's that's the next one. It's like I can't stop thinking about it. It's been <laughs> it's been on, on my mind for weeks, and I don't know why. It's just now I'm thinking about it, and I want one. Um, but (laughs) like there are weird things that cross my mind with this. All right. But it's gotta be the Irish style. Like I don't want the Greek one. The Greek one's got this big, like kind of a a rounded back and it's, uh, I don't, not comfortable Comfortable. Yeah. Not, it's not comfortable. It's gotta be the Irish style. Anyway, besides the point, (laughs) like those are, that would be like for fun for my own self. Right. Right. I'm talking more in terms of, uh, I hate to say it like this, but like work. Yeah. See, because I think in the church different from what, what artists or actors, musicians, or even people in in the working world might might do. It's something that they do kind of because this supports their family. It's something that they do to express their art or their yeah. their skills. But like in in the church, we're always speaking in terms of ministry. Right. I'm doing this because I'm called to be a priest, and therefore my my life always has to be priestly. The work that I do must always be the priest's work. Mm-hmm. There there are certain things that I can do as a priest that no one else can do. Right. And so I've got to always be make sure that my my work is priestly work. But priestly work is not always necessarily coterminous with parish work. Mm. Most often it's expressed as parish work. Mm-hmm. Like if ever yes, I, agree. I was asked to go and do something else, what would it look like? Hmm. What would I do outside of, of parish life? Now, this was also partly inspired by um, the other night we had the Knights of Columbus pasta dinner. Yes. And I was talking to some of the kids who were there. And they got, were starting to get silly. And so one of them said, uh, I thought I'd say, I dare you to grow your beard all the way to your belly button. <laughs> and then her sister dared me to do something else that was like chop your beard off or something. So it was two very opposite things. And then their little brother. One was, more preferred than the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> their little brother was trying to get in on, on the daring game, but didn't quite understand how it worked. So he goes, I dare you to quit church. <laughs> 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 it was like, oh boy. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm not gonna. Okay. That's, that's not how the game works. Um, I appreciate what you're doing, but that's not how the game works. I, I'm really glad that you're trying to get into it, but that's not how the game works. That's not, that's not what we're doing. No. So I dare you to quit church. Come on. Yeah. Okay. No, I like this though. It's, it's, it's to think about something else, right? It's what is my personal charism? Yeah. Each of us have a personal charism that we're called to use, you know? Oh, man. Well, I often think about it. Like if I had the opportunity, Mm-hmm. and and was was able to take this kind of time and it wasn't going to interfere with anything else that I was doing mm-hmm. it wasn't going to interfere with my responsibilities or the things that the bishop has asked me to do as pastor of a parish mm-hmm. right if i could do something like this and this is a, an enormous if it's kind of a dream um and i don't know if it's a dream that i should be paying any attention to and so this is another mm-hmm. another piece that i'm going to get to in a second it, mm-hmm. it's it's a dream all right my dream would be to go and work with catholic heart work camp 
and to go for their training for their staff and to set up for them a, a schedule and a rule of life for their staff members mm. and to kind of walk them through how this is going to look and then to work with a staff one of their staff teams for the entire summer and kind of make sure that they're following their personal rule of life as they go through the summer. So as Mm. they take care of all the stuff they're supposed to do, that they would also have the opportunity to then like make their holy hour every day Mm -hmm. that they would do this stuff. I got really excited actually this past summer because one of the guys who was on the, on the staff had gone into the chapel and not every Catholic heart work camp takes place at a school that has a chapel with the blessed sacrament reserved, Mm -hmm. but this one did. Mm -hmm. And he had gone into the chapel uh, to pray for a little while. Uh, because he had time and he didn't have any other responsibility at that exact moment. So he went in and I was really proud of him because he was going in to take this time. He's like, I know I need to go pray. So I'm going to go and do it. Mm. I'm going to take the time that I have. And like, that's actually exactly the thing that I want to try to build in to their schedule for their staff members, you know, just something so that they can, they can really make sure that they're, that they're able to do that. And I would love to just be part of that. I think it would be so much fun, but he, he went in and uh, then we were getting a group of the staff together to do something else. And he, he came in like five minutes late and he had fallen asleep in the chapel because he was just exhausted. He'd been running all day long and doing all this stuff. And for like two, two days before that, he hadn't gotten to bed before one in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. He came in and he had this red line across his forehead. Because his head was on the pew. Because he put his head on the pew <laughs> and he fell asleep like that. So his head just leaned against this pew and made He's this, been marked this big by the mark. Lord. It was awesome. I thought it was so funny. And we were like all kind of teasing him for it. But at the same time, I was like, oh really glad you went in there and yeah. you took that time with Jesus because yeah. you needed it. And even that nap, Jesus gave that to you. You needed that. God does so much when people are sleeping. Sure. All right. So this, this is like one of those things that I look at and I say, that's kind of a dream. It would be so cool to do it. Yeah. And there are lots of other ministries like that. Like I, I see what some people do. Um, you, you get these, these experiences where you go and you see this priest who's like, Full time doing youth ministry work. Right, they're and connected. How cool they is that? It's, it's so nice. Like I, I love yeah. seeing that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's that's all that they have. Yeah. And sometimes I go, that that looks like it could be a lot of fun. Then of course I look back and I go, that I, I wouldn't want to leave parish life. Mm. Parish life has so much, mm-hmm. and there's so much good in parish life that I, I wouldn't want to miss out on. Mm-hmm. So there's something really powerful in all of this too. I, I wouldn't want to get away from that. But then I'm looking at this, and I realized. Uh, and this is part of what I realized on my walk with with Duke this morning, was that all these ideas, big dreams, big cool things that would be fun to do, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is just in my own head. Mm. It's not something that I've discovered inspired in prayer. Hmm. And I come back to you. Hmm. Because what happened when people started throwing the idea at you? I went to prayer. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, is this what we're doing? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. The need started to present itself. Yeah. You received that need and then you brought it into your prayer to ask God, is this what you want? And I think as we're looking at church ministry and the idea of using our gifts and doing different things and, and trying for something that maybe hasn't been done before. So Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez pairing up to do a teaming up to do this, this TV show, uh, and it's a really good show. It's yeah. it's fun to watch. I don't think anybody, I doubt anybody prayed about that. <laughs> but I'm glad they did it. I'm really glad they did it. Now, yeah. what, what happens when we recognize a need and say, hey, I think this is something that we can do. I think this is something that I'm called to. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it to the Lord and test it. I'm going to bring it to the Lord and ask him, is this what you want? Yeah, that's, that's what I did. So when that started happening, 
um, I remember asking the Lord specifically in prayer, like, God, if this is what you want, then you need to start setting up opportunities. And I was very stubborn about this. I won't be looking for them. And that was my prayer for a couple months and small opportunities be like just came to me to whether it was like speaking at a retreat in Massachusetts. So I led a confirmation retreat up there. That whole experience for me was such a sign of I've never felt more authentically myself than when I did that. But I was surprised at what I was capable of because the Lord had ordained it. Mm. And that set me on fire. I was like, okay, well, what other things are coming up? But then COVID hit. So it kind of put a kilter to some things. Uh, but kilter? A kilter, a kill, a kill to some things. Sorry, English is hard right now. None of those are phrases. None of those are phrases. Not one of those things that you just <laughs> uttered is actually a phrase wow, that's used now in, I question where in I the learned English that language. From. Something it's, is off kilter. Off kilter. That's not right. Meaning it's not straight, it's crooked. Wow. Or off kilter, it is not. Not balanced, not oh, steady, oh. like you're walking is off kilter. Oh, we come back again. Right? No, I, think what, I think what you're looking for is that COVID put a crimp in the plan or a kink in the plan a and kink. prevented you from doing something. Or COVID just became a stumbling block, an COVID obstacle. COVID was a big stumbling or block. Or an obstacle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but anyways, what, what I wanted to say was that, like, Yes, like there was some testing and I asked the Lord if this was his thing, then he needed to provide things. He needed to provide specific opportunities for me yeah. to be reminded. And it was in those moments that would just kind of show up or I was invited to do something that I was reminded of the promise that I received in prayer, that I was reminded of the call. Now it was actively being lived out yeah. and actively being experienced. So you grow in confidence of your own gift because it's not yours. Right. It's preceded by a call from the Lord. So now your confidence is not necessarily in your own ability, but in that God's going to show up and this is his job. Right. And there's such a freedom in that because it's not all on you. You are still responsible to work with it. Like you still have to grow into, um, you know, cultivate that gift. And if you don't use a gift, it, you know, like it says in scripture, like, if you don't use the spiritual gifts that you've been given, like it can just kind of like die out a little bit. Right. So you have to constantly be in a place of cultivating it. Uh, and in that God just takes it to the next degree and it lands. Somebody's life could be changed by a simple word that you said or a way that you prayed over them. And, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's amazing to see the things that, what are the things that people are praising you about? Uh, cause my conversation last night was, um, with somebody, he, we were talking about how we have, we have gifts, but sometimes it's easier to motivate other people and not ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to be like, I see this in you. You could do this. You sure. can do this. And then we don't do that with ourselves. And sometimes we're waiting for things in church to grow. I was like, okay, we're just got to wait for this one person who has all these gifts and they're going to like make this happen. And sometimes it's you, the Lord is waiting on to make something happen. Amen. Oh my so, goodness. And I think that's something that, that if we can share that with people to help them see, you know, you might be waiting for something to happen, but you're the one who has the gift. Right. And that gift God is calling you to do. So the reason that you keep seeing that need, the reason that you keep desiring this thing, this ministry, this yes. activity, this yes. event, the reason you have that desire is because the Lord's asking you, you to, do to take the lead Yeah. and expecting that. I'm going to do it or Paula's going to do it or somebody on your staff or somebody who, who somebody else who volunteers for things is going to do it. No, 
That's the Lord calling you to do it. Yeah. So you step up, you make that, but bring it to prayer first. Right. And confirm that this is really the Lord speaking. This is something that God desires for you. Right. And and now you move from like this section of your life where you're just not doing spectator Christianity, but you're doing participatory Christianity. Like you're actually stepping into the game and you're doing the thing. I like that way to talk about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because we do it all the time. You're like, oh, well, it's a bystander effect. Oh, someone, someone, uh, you know, like the people in uh, the restaurant the other day, you know, it was more of watching you fall, watching me fall because you're hoping somebody else because you're an unstable, unpredictable person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, that is a prime example of this. Like, oh, man. Yeah, that's great. So it's good. All right. right. So I like it. We got to wrap. We do. We 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 are. This is great. Um, But uh, you're unstable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're unstable you're you're unsteady uh you're confused about earrings and keys and and the english language so what's and the new? english language this is a normal day but so. paula in spite of all i'm really proud of you thanks I, I think you're great um thanks. hey this is a lot of fun this is Roy like the lamb i'm paula pena father sam kachuba god bless you <laughs>